0: Welcome to the Eco-Inquiry Podcast. My name is Jennifer Barron, your host. I'm coming to you from the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, the Wendat, and the Haudenosaunee. I am on the Williams Treaty, and our closest partners in education are the Chippewa of Georgina Island. In this episode, we are speaking with Billy Jo Reed. Billy Jo is an instructor with the Peel District School Board Field Centers. She has a long career in outdoor education, and a passion for all things outdoors. She spent the last year and a half teaching students both online and face-to-face in a very original way through the COVID pandemic. You are going to learn so many strategies listening to Billie Jo, including her passion for nature journaling. So let's get started. Welcome to the Eco Inquiry podcast. Today, my, be- my guest is Billy Joe Reed. Billy Joe is an outdoor educator with Peel District School Board. She is on the, uh, the traditional territory of Treaty 19, which is the traditional territory of the Mississauga of the Credit. So, Billy Joe, welcome. And you and I met. Hi, oh, thanks gosh. so much for having me. You and I met about 10 years ago on a canoe tripping level two course in Tamagami. 10 years ago. Oh, Jed, Yeah.
1: Way more than 10 years ago. Way more more than than 10 years ago. I'm one of those people. Oh, my God. Oh, I I... I just heard that. And then it's from the 80s. yeah, No, no. This was, this was, yeah, because I've been married for 10 years and I wasn't even dating my husband at that time. So I'm going to say it was early 2000s. So definitely oh, wow. bordering on 15 to almost 20 years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. So that shows how long I've been in the outdoor environmental ed game. And, um, <laughs> you as well. yeah. and this is three children for you. So, you know, thank you for, for reminding me that it's been, it's been a long time then. And it's really wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here
0: so you know you were well into outdoor ed when I met you even that long ago and that's my first question what brought you to outdoor education and
1: environmental ed yeah that's a great question so I um it's it's funny I've I've always been a, a kid who was outside spending lots of time outside my dad was in the military so we moved around quite a bit um and I definitely remember when we were living on Vancouver Island like you know, my parents were like, come home when the streetlights are on kind of thing. And so we were always out. And I, I distinctly, I have a memory of being out in a pond, in a pond. Like I can't even like fathom, I would never let my children do this. But you know, again, this is dating
0: us because that was I my know. childhood too. We just, yeah. we just went out on our bikes. It was like an episode of Stranger Things. And Winona Ryder was like my mom, come home with
1: exactly and i remember being up to like my waist in water Mm -hmm. like collecting frog eggs and i was thinking why like nobody was worried that i was going to drown or anything Mm -hmm. and there i was out in this pond um and then i think you know like high school happens and i i kind of probably stepped away from uh outdoor ed for a little bit but i went on a trip um, uh, to Europe on a cycling trip and so that kind of was a little bit life-changing for me in high school and we went uh, for a month uh, and cycled around England, Ireland and Wales uh, and that was in 95 and then in 96 there was an opportunity for me to uh, take part in a program called the Environmental Leadership Program um, at our school and I was planning on taking it the year after um, but somebody couldn't go in and so during exam week the teacher called me at home and said I want you on the program and I was like but I'm only in grade 11 you have to be in grade 12 and he's like no no I can make those decisions and I want you in the course and I was like I have to do this because what happens if next year I don't get picked and it was a, uh, at the time it was a four some uh, four credit semester I'm long i just gonna program. ask
0: you that who was your teacher that called yeah. you
1: So Bill Mitchell was, uh, Mm. was my teacher. And so, uh, yeah, and I I jumped on it. And that course changed my trajectory in terms of what I wanted to do in school, where I wanted to go and sort of all those kinds of things. And so then I met uh, like Bruce Hawkins and, uh, you know, I got into canoeing and then I was canoe tripping and guiding for- Was that up in wanted to take? Uh, no, I didn't go to one of I never went to camp. Isn't that hilarious? I oh, never okay. went to camp. Oh, so,
0: but he was attached to that camp, right? And then you did canoe trip guiding?
1: Am, uh, I, am I thinking
0: of the right person? No, I oh, didn't. Okay, I'm sorry. He
1: has, that's okay. He has his own uh, company, PMH Outdoors, him and his wife. And so I met Bruce through the canoe instructor that was working with our um, class at the time. His name is uh, John Girardi. And so we, we like skipped school one day (laughs) to go paddling and I met Bruce and then Bruce said, Hey, the next summer. So I think I was like 17. And he was like, I have these Irish, uh, cadets that are coming over and we need canoe instructors. And I was like, that sounds amazing. I think I need to do that. And then I just kind of jumped on, um, with his company. And so I worked for him and his wife for, the better part of probably 20 years instructing and guiding and I worked with wild women expeditions and
0: really um, yeah I didn't know that about you that's amazing yeah
1: and a bunch of other uh places I worked for um Algonquin Lakeshore Catholic School Board they used to do canoe trips uh with high school groups so I worked with them and so I just kind of bounced around in the summers from contract to contract to contract um and then I started dating my husband and in Oh my gosh, I don't even know, 14 years ago. So that was like 2006 or something like that. And um, we had actually met in college. And that sort of brought me back towards Orangeville. Um, and so I didn't know what to do. So the first four years, I kind of I worked at a, a local store here in town trying to figure it out. And then Um, I quit and it was the best decision I made because it really pushed me to get back into the outdoors and that's when I, I worked for actually YMCA Cedar Glen for about seven months and then somebody passed along the job uh description for pdsb um and so i applied there and i started working uh with them uh on a part-time basis uh which was perfect because i had my two daughters during that time and then four years ago i was able to get on full-time so it's been a journey like you know sort of in and around uh but it's always kind of been in that industry probably since i was like 16.
0: It's like the metaphor of a river, right? Yeah. Twists and bends and eddies and rapids and calm spots. And like in my partnership with my my husband, Mark, I always think of it as like a river. It's never just like an easy, and there's lots of portages that sometimes aren't
1: easy. <laughs> yeah yeah, it's always been it's, you know, um, you yeah, know? yeah the long-term
0: relationship uh long-term canoe trip or um, metaphor for sure yeah so I yeah, so it's back been to crazy. high school for one second because you yeah. know my high school outers club was instrumental as well in um guiding me towards environmental and outdoor ed and that's such a formative time in our lives I mean you know we had an outers club the, high, the dedicated high school teacher on canoe trips to Algonquin and hiking trips on the Bruce Peninsula and you know and it was uh, it was an equitable thing like I couldn't afford my family couldn't afford camp and then Mm -hmm. you know our um, even student council sponsored me to go to Bark Lake Leadership Camp and again that outdoor experience was just instrumental me and then I'm really curious what did you take at college what was the program yeah
1: yeah so I went uh, I went to Sir Sanford Fleming and so I took Parks and Forest Recreation which was a two-year program Uh, and then after that I did a postgraduate diploma in uh, um, adventure tourism management originally my thought was that I would own my own canoe tripping business right Uh, but then once I had kiddos and things like that it just wasn't it wasn't as sustainable as I was wanting to do. Sure. And it's so funny is that before I got into EL, like ELP, environmental leadership program, um, I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted right. to teach. And so it was really funny that an outdoor ed wasn't something that I really knew about. So it was really funny how those paths then converged. right for me to be able to do outdoor ed, which is I get to teach, but I still get to be outside and I get to do that portion of it. So I'm, I'm feel very privileged and very lucky that, I was able to stay on the path. And I mean, a lot of people that I, I went to school with um, uh, have ended up in, in other careers completely, right? It's not, right. it's not for the faint of heart, right? Like you it definitely got to no, put I know. in the time. When you, name,
0: when you name, I've only guided after our canoe tripping level two, I've only guided a couple of times. And you know, when you tell, or you just really briefly list all of those things, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, the amount of work, right? The bugs, yeah. the journey, the portages, it's not, like you say, it's not for the faint of heart. And so I really, I appreciate what you're saying. I also really want my son to go to that original program at Sir He's 18. <laughs> and I, I, I love the programs there. Yeah. So, it's, okay. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. So now you are an environmental educator. And it sounds like the perfect combination of your skills. And I love following you on social media. Um, (laughs) You do do the most amazing work. And thank you so much for posting a lot of what you do on Twitter. It's incredible. So, you know, I kind of want to dive right into this current time. You taught outdoors during the pandemic, remotely, and then you brought (laughs) environmental and outdoor (laughs) programming into online classes. Billy Joe, how did you do this? How, (laughs) How did you do
1: it? Well, I have to tell you, we all kind of said, what? Uh, you know, when everything, the world shut down last March, I mean, um, I guess a year ago, March, uh, it was pretty wild. We all, we all kind of said, okay, like, like what do we do about this? How do, we, how do we keep our jobs? How do we keep this going? Um, and so a, cu- a couple of things that we started to do was we started to do our website. Which has been um, awesome. And our idea was we didn't know how long we were going to be in this, and could we present a resource that was uh, not only going to help um, teachers, but also was it going to help support parents? Because at that time, the teachers weren't teaching yet either, right? Like it was just this weird, complete like shut down of everything and the teachers didn't know what was going on. And the parent, like, it was just wild. So this was right? March
0: last year.
1: March I, I'm just going to yeah. interrupt
0: for just two seconds, just to clarify what is the name of your website? And can you just briefly, when you say we can you briefly just describe your team?
1: Yeah, yeah. So the the website um is uh PDSB Learning Naturally. It's uh we did it through Google. So if you put in PDSB Learning Naturally, uh that will come up. Um and so then yes, my my colleagues and I like we are a, a small knit team. Uh so uh, Rob Ridley is our coordinator and the rest of us uh are, are there's about eight of us on staff full time. Uh so it's a very very small uh, knit team. Um and and many of us us, uh, have been there uh, for ten years or longer. Uh, some people have been there for over twenty years. So it's a really tight knit group. We work really well together, and we kind of had to put our heads together and think, okay, what can we do?
0: And, and so we- none of you are actually classroom teachers. You're all sort of outdoor that- ed specialists no. year round. Okay.
1: Yeah. Well, yes, but some of them are certified teachers as well. Right. But okay. they they haven't. They've chosen the outdoor ed route instead of uh, in the classroom. Some of them may okay. have done a small bit of in the classroom but some of them are certified teachers um so we started out with social media posts um in terms of uh like we had mondays we had green thumb tuesdays we had you know sort of scavenger hunt fridays we, we try to start out like that uh and then by the time september rolled around uh, we started talking about
0: this is september 2020
1: so September, 2020. Yeah. So just like, we were like, okay, what are we going to do? What are we going to do this year? Yeah. Because everyone's in school, but nobody can come to the field centers. And for the most part, we weren't able to go into the schools either. So it was this really weird dynamic. So it kind of started off slow. We were each given a family of schools. So myself, I had 38 schools that I was sort of there go-to outdoor edge uh person so it started off by giving resources and things like that and helping out in any way we could and then as that kind of went through we, we started thinking oh geez I wonder if we could join their google meets and like run programming well yeah I bet you we could do that and then all of a sudden it got to like well, gee, I wonder if we got, you know, my fies, would we be able to have internet in the forest? And then would we be able to do programming from the forest? And then it just kind of took off. That's and amazing. So it was really awesome to be able to, because we had our own family of schools. And this is the first time that I was able to have this connection with students normally they come to the field centers for the day we have a great day and then they leave and for the most part i never see them again right uh, maybe i see them the next year they might not remember me you know it's always a problem
0: how to extend that day center yeah experience.
1: exactly and this this meant that i was able to connect with these classes as much as my schedule would allow it. And so for me personally, I was doing anywhere from uh, three to four classes a day. And so wow.
0: teaching, yeah.
1: So I was either at home in front of my screen teaching different things, or out on the on the trail teaching different things. And so I tried to, you know, see as many students as I possibly could. And I was in charge of my own schedule. I was just
0: gonna say, okay, my left brain is is like beep beep, freaking out yeah. here. How did you schedule that? Did you have certain grades, or could you be with any grade in elementary? But any how did grade. It I did could be teachers with. Get, did the teachers ask you? Did you go to them? How did it work?
1: Yeah. So kind of all those things, right? So we started in September by kind of shooting out some emails to principals saying like, hi, you know, I'm Billy Joe. I'm your you know, designated outdoor ed person. Uh, We were invited into some of the school's um, staff meetings to introduce ourselves. This is what we can provide for you. All of this stuff. Uh, And it was all funded through the outdoor ed funding from the ministry that they give out every year. So that was also pretty awesome in that The schools didn't have to pay for anything. The teachers weren't, nobody was collecting money. Nobody was doing any of that stuff. They were able to just email me and say, that was awesome. Can we book you again? Absolutely. And so I booked in one hour increments. Uh, With kindergartens, it was anywhere between a half an hour and 40 minutes, sometimes an hour. We just kind of based it depending on the kindies because it's hard for them to sit uh, for that long. But then I was able to also really work with the teacher to be able to develop some of the programs that were tailored towards them. And some teachers were super awesome in that I was able to be like, okay, this is what I'm thinking. And they were like, let's try it. And then if it went really well, I was able then to start offering it to other classes.
0: That's so amazing.
1: Yeah, it was amazing. And so we, were, I was able to take some of the, the programming from Project Wild and Below Zero and was able to spin them into other things. But then I could do stuff in front of them and then back it up with a hike, you know, as that next piece, which was like, so the connections with the children. Some of these classes I've seen nine, 10 times. And so they'd be like, Billy Joe, you're here again. You know, this so excitement because we had got that connection and that nature piece together. And then the idea obviously is that my, you know, main focus was always to encourage them to get outside with their families, right? And so then I had kids like sharing with me their sit spots. This is what we've seen on the weekend. And so trying to make it accessible and like, hey, I've been to your school. I know what's around your school. And it's a walking school, which means I know that you live close to that school. So these are the places that you can go with your family on the weekend. And it was awesome. Like, it was such a great experience to be able to do that. Was it easy? No, absolutely not. Was it easy? You know, is it as great as having students in front of me? No, but there's this other piece that we have always been missing. And that was the connection. I valued
0: valued even as a classroom teacher, being able to see more of my students complex identities and have them bring those identities to the on to online in, a way that is, you know, they have to leave their pets at home, their siblings at home, their parents at home. And, and when you can see all of that and you're face to face with them. So really it's about talk time, just like what you and I are doing. And they're sharing stories. And then you're building on those stories. There's this really neat people, you know, there, there's a really amazing dynamic that happens.
1: It was amazing. And then because I was also working with an entire school, I then got to know their siblings. Oh, wow. And so then the sibling would come into the camera and go like, you know, wave at me and be like, remember me from last week? I was like, hey, I didn't get that connection. Or I'd be like looking at them and be like, you look like so-and-so. And they're like, yeah, that's my older brother. And I'm like, no way. And I was able to get to know their names. And, you know, that, or I was, had a teacher you know, that I'm working with, but their kids go to another school, but it's still in my family of schools.
0: (laughs) That's great.
1: I mean, so it almost felt like a big, huge family. And I think that's one of the things that I just, I just loved about it. And so seeing them and then having the teachers talk to each other and then being like, okay, so-and-so said this happened and, you know, is there space for us? I'm like, absolutely. So I did my, very, very best to not have, you know, anyone on a wait list or to, to say no to anyone because it was just such a crazy year. I just didn't have it in me. So if it was at all possible that I could make it work, I made it work as best as I could. Um, just because I knew it was such a special, um, such a special time for the kids to be able to do that and have something different. And, you know, a special time for not just the kids or the teachers, right? Mm. Like it's, it was, Absolutely. Huge for, yeah. Like to give them not and a, a break. Isn't the right word. Cause no one no. ever left me. Right. It's not, it's not about that, but a voice break that yes. they didn't have to prepare for that one hour, but they were then able to take what we talked about and, go even further with it was such a I I from what I was told was a huge helping hand because then they were able to to go with it you know we're doing haikus outside for nature journaling but the teachers like we're preparing to see you by doing haikus and so by the time the kids get to me at the end of the week or whatever you know they've already worked with the teacher but there's a goal right like so it was just such a beautiful partnership um and getting to know all these teachers, was just, it was really awesome. Like I, 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 I love
0: I that. Really, I love the way you've, you've really highlighted that the relationships are the most important thing. So And, important. and we, we didn't lose those. In fact, we built upon them in a completely different way. And, and yeah. I, I'm going to come back. Well, maybe I'll ask you this now, but then there are a couple of things I really want to come back to, but sure. how do you
1: see maintaining
0: that? I mean, there are some things I don't want to lose.
1: I, 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 I wonder how you can maintain that. This is this is our biggest challenge moving forward, is because I think that it's a disservice to the students and the teachers for us to lose those connections. And again, like you mentioned before, like, you know, what do you do before or after the field trip to really make the connection? So it's not just a one-up. It's not just a tick in the box, right? Like how do we, how do we do that? And so we've we've been chatting a little bit about potentially having um, staff have certain days set aside that potentially those could be our virtual days where we can maybe introduce, you know the concept and then you know the kids come up to see us and then you know, we have a, a backup or you know, what's that what's it going to look like? But I think the biggest thing for us right now is waiting for, the plans on how it's going to open and what it's going to look like, um, so that we can try and figure that out. Because what we're hoping, or at least I'm going to say what I'm hoping, what I'm hoping is that we are going to be able to go into classes. That is my hope: is that I can go into a schoolyard, and so my hope is then I can. Because there's no kids coming out to the field centers at the time, my hope is that I can do introductions and follow-ups, but I can meet with the students for whatever activity that we're doing. Once the so you mean
0: introductions and follow-ups online, online, right? But then meeting them at the schoolyard. So basically, you're going to build on that. I know your schoolyard. I know your community. I'm going to come in and take this one extra step and show you a little bit more of what you can do. I I think that's pretty ideal with this situation that we have now. And, you know, I want listeners to know we're taping this in July. Yeah, we'll <laughs> yeah. just, just come back from a camping trip with family, but, yeah. <laughs> but this is going to air in September. So then we'll know And I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping you'll come back. So yeah. let's try to just stick with, you know, what happened and what we know and what we can take from that. So, yeah. you, you know, I've asked you about this already and I'm fascinated by the tech. So you said my five. So can you, can you just yes. elaborate on, you had a tremendous amount of tech that you, yeah. you had with you in order to deliver the really high quality program that you did. So can yeah. you just explain a little bit more about what you had?
1: Yeah, so for sure. So at home, we had... Uh, the uh, laptops uh, and then it, like everybody else, we had uh, your own house Wi-Fi and we had microphone or headsets with microphones, which was a huge asset because then the students can really hear us with uh, the microphones um, out in the bush, uh, we had um, cell phones, uh, we had selfie sticks. Um, and then if we wanted to, we purchased. Um, uh, uh, wireless headphones um, so that we could hear the students better. Uh, you Some of some people just used it right out of the, the microphone. Um, I personally wanted them a little bit in, more in my ear. Uh, and then we had MiFi's as well, which is basically like a rocket stick. So if anyone knows what like a rocket stick is, that's when you can take your internet wherever. So basically it connects with cell phone data and creates its own hotspot and then you connect your phone to that hotspot. Um, and then we also had external battery packs as well um, to, for charging because your phone is not going to last for, you know, three uh, to four, you know, one hour uh, live streaming videos. It's just not gonna, it's just not gonna do it. My so goodness, how, have... how heavy was your backpack? Um, so, <laughs> um, well, that's the other <laughs> thing. So... around. Yeah. <laughs> So my backpack was one thing but most of this was done between January, you know, December and oh, and wow. you know whatever so you're you're in like minus 30 wind chill. So a lot of those things we like for me personally, like I made a cozy for my cell phone to try and, you know, keep it warm because I was really afraid of it if it freezing and turning off midway through. Um, So I had a little cozy that I made for it. Um, And then my battery packs and my Fi were actually in the chest pocket of my winter jacket. Um, But I have to tell you, like not every day was like the most amazing you know streamings like but it worked right like it was it right. was good the other thing that we started to add to our repertoire was um, macro clip-on lenses which were like game-changing right so when you clip those on to the camera you're actually able to magnify into what you were seeing this so is this- on your
0: cell phone you mean the yeah. little clip-on that you put the on your little- cell phone so you yeah. can show the students insects or yeah lakes or whatever
1: all of it and like our slow motion moving of a snail or a slug with their retracting eyeballs like it was so awesome and the kids are like freaking out and it was great right and so i i think that was probably the main the main things that we kind of had um uh, had with us so yeah and i mean i added a few things extra a little bit later on i added a um a bigger tripod um and we have two parabolic mics um, at the centers as well. So I started using parabolic mic as well, um, for doing sound maps and, and things like that, which was oh. like, that's a whole other piece of So you together, mean that's so. the big
0: disc that you, you yes. hold up and, yeah, you, and the students can hear the crickets and the birds. And- yes. Yes.
1: Unbelievable. And so we did sound mapping with that. So I incorporated that into the nature journaling, uh, with many of my classes as a, a mindfulness mental health piece. It was amazing was amazing.
0: Okay. So that's what I want to jump to next. So the programming, when you say you worked with the teacher and then the teacher built on it. And, you know, I remember early on in the pandemic, Dr. Tam said to educators that for the mental health piece, she suggested journaling. And oh, I have, that? I've been watching you with journaling and the, the, the writing and also the drawing that you've been doing with your students. And it's just, it's phenomenal. And so I, I want you to just share more about that. And then hopefully people will start following you on Twitter and, and, and go back into your feed and see the stuff. Yeah. Doing.
1: So nature journaling is something that I've always been interested in. And I've always tried to figure out ways to like incorporate it into programming that we're doing at the field centers. And I've always journaled when I went away on a trip. Um, And it's funny looking back at my old, um, you know, when I was an ELP and and looking back at that 13 day canoe trip, it's funny. I was drawing pictures in that to illustrate what I was looking at. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's so funny. I was nature journaling back then and didn't really realize what it was. Um, And so I think it was around the end of August, September on Twitter, I came across um, a, a, a post, somebody was posting stuff about nature journaling. And I was like, what's this, right? And so the biggest thing I never found was like a really concrete way of teaching it that made sense. And through that feed, I came across John Muir Laws. Yes. Um, and he is. Yeah, uh, everybody calls him Jack. Uh, and so uh, I'll refer to him as Jack <laughs> moving forward. But his his full name is John Muir laws. Uh, and he's a gentleman out of California at, and he just changed me again, like talk about one of those pivotal moments of just like, oh, like light bulbs, Oprah, you know, you know, (laughs) uh, you know, light bulb moments kind of thing. And it was just like, this is it. This is what I've been looking for, uh, you know, with nature journaling. And so he has this amazing way of teaching it and so the idea is it's uh he calls them uh two triads and so the first one is words pictures and numbers and the second one is three statements of I notice I wonder and it reminds me of and together those three tr- those two triads kind of interlock and connect together and so I reached out to him on a whim thinking what are the chances of this guy ever emailing me back well, he did, and he is literally the most generous and just lovely human that I've, I've ever met and invited me to the Nature Journaling Educator Forum, which takes place uh, every Wednesday afternoon for our time. It's at three o'clock, and you can find the Zoom links on his website, and I started joining. And it just changed my mind. It's like a PD session every week for, or every Wednesday for an hour. And I am like nature nerding out with these educators from all over the world, all about nature journaling. And I just, I couldn't get enough of it. And the more I learned, the more I was like, this is a tool. It's not a one-up. It's not like, oh, I did nature journaling already with my kids. No. No. This is like the kids have a nature journal, and you know, I you always talk about everywhere I look, there's math outdoors. Take your nature journal with you, and now you're recording it, right? You're looking at the patterns, you're making fractions or percentages about the colors of the leaves and how they're changing. Measuring the height of things? What is it doing in terms of change over time? Like, it's just, it's wild. And now you're adding language to it, right? So you're writing poems, you're using your verbs. Like, you could do a whole thing on adjectives all in your nature journal, right? Like, it's just, it's a tool that the kids get to be creative. And, you know, from a mental health perspective, it is such a blessing to sit with a piece of nature for a little bit of time. And not to just sit with it, but to look at it with different eyes. You know, the statement, I notice, and you're going to use your words, your pictures, and your numbers. And it's not about a pretty picture. If it turns out to be a pretty picture, awesome. But that is not what this is about. You are drawing it so that you can remember what it looks like right it's all about again helping students curve that thing where you know we learned something and 20 minutes later we forgot 50 percent of what our teacher said now it's in your nature journal and so you can go back and look in that nature journal and it actually helps the students to remember what is happening right there's also a sharing piece to it as well so you get them to do it and then everyone gets to share and you know, get to be excited about the questions or how they, you know, decided what their layout would look like. And you're teaching these kids how to ask these amazing questions. And then is there a question that needs to come before that question or a question that needs to come after that question or some other, you know, kind of connection? And it really blew my mind this year how much. That is needed in school. As, so as you've an just tool. Ta- yeah. You've you've
0: taught you've touched on so many essential pedagogies of environmental ed, inquiry-based, integrating the curriculum, the math, the art, the language. But I do want to go back to because of the context that we're in right now, you know, I want to go back to that shift in your mind and in your heart that happens when you're sitting in nature, you're drawing and um, and you know, Betty Edwards uh, classically has that book drawing on the right side of the brain. So I'm, I'm wondering if you can actually think to your own experience for a moment of what happens to your mind and your heart when you can you actually tell when you're making that shift to a creative head and heart space, How what happens?
1: It's so interesting that you say head and heart. So there's another woman that I've met through nature journaling and her name is Beth Ann Burton and she's out of Australia. Um, and she says that. It's about the head and the heart. Do you journal from your head? Do you journal from your heart? Or do you journal from both? Um, and for me, I would say that I started out as head, right? I'm like um, definitely yeah. like, I was like, a science, lot of us do. We're, we're like, stuck
0: in that. Yeah. And I was like yeah. really
1: into it. And then as I've continued, and I think this is the really important piece is that I nature journal on my own time. I and see I you think,
0: doing it with your daughters too. Yeah, yeah. And I
1: think that you can't I feel that it's not something that you can just integrate into the teaching if you are not if it's not a part of your own practice. And it doesn't mean that you're nature journaling every single day, no. but you need to be able to have your own experience to be able to bring that in to the classroom, to make it an authentic piece with your students. And so uh, what I was doing was I was asking the students at the beginning, uh, before we started, I said, can you represent your emotions using an emoji? And I actually stole this from my colleague, Sabrina. And uh, I thought, that's awesome, right? And so then what I did is after the hour was done, I said, now I want you to represent how you're feeling with an emoji. And I want you to notice if it has changed. And for the most part, not always, but for the most part, students felt calmer. They felt happier. They felt more engaged. They felt more excited. There was a peace or a calmness to them. And I think that's where the heart comes into play. One student uh, who had been struggling in online, you could tell she just wasn't sure about me being there. And she was like, oh, she was asking me all these questions. And I could hear in her voice that she was just not into this at all. About halfway through, I seen a switch, like a light bulb switched. And it was like, I wasn't. I didn't have expectations on her. There was no expectation for her to do it right or do it wrong because it's nature journaling. There is no right or wrong. It is your creative layout. It is your questions. It is your, I notices. I as a facilitator cannot tell you that you did it wrong. I can't, that is your brain on paper. And it was amazing to watch. And she said, I have to tell you something. And I was like, okay, sure. And she said, this is, has, I've never had as good of a day at school as I did today with you. And I thought, wow. And the teacher emailed me later and she says, I don't think you really understand just how profound that was because she has been struggling being online. And it was like uh, a light had clicked for her that there was an outlet that she could use where there was no expectations right? You know, I Billy Joe, my
0: students at the end of the day, and I stumbled on this as well, they asked to draw and have little drawing tutorials with calming music. Yeah. At the end of the day, every day, every it, it, day. they, they, they wanted to do that more than, I mean, they still wanted the breakout room at the end, right. To yeah. Talk with their friends. But I, I, you know, I would say, are you sure you guys want to do this again? Oh yes. Yes. We want to do it again. And there was just a different level, everything you've said, a different level of calmness and engagement, yeah. boys just, and girls, like both are like, yes. you know, all of yeah. them. And, it, all of and them. Student, students who I, who I didn't expect, they didn't buy in every moment. Now, for some listeners who are saying, well, what if they don't have pencil and paper? How do we do this? We used a program called com which is a free paint tool, which, uh, which is a little bit like Photoshop, but it's a completely free app. It's not a download. You just open it up and it's, you start right away. Um, and then the students screen share. So, you know, that emotional wellness piece, I think is just really so, so
1: important. Now, did you, were you ever
0: sitting outside while you were doing it or was it something?
1: I, depending. So if I was introducing it, I sat here at home and I had, um, Uh, another piece of tech uh, that I purchased for myself, which was like a snake arm tripod. So I journaled with them. I had my own piece of nature and we all journaled together. And then what I tried to do afterwards was then to take them on a hike. And so then they had their nature journals and I showed them things out in the forest and they nature journaled what we saw. Oh, exciting going Through the full the full pieces of I wonder or I notice I wonder it reminds me of, um, then what I did with some classes is that I then incorporated sound into that so we did the sound map where they had to sketch the the scene that I had given them in front of them and then you know I sort of did northeast southwest and um, talked about the area that we were in and then they just had to be silent and listen to what they heard and they had to write everything down and add it onto their map. And my thought was, I, you know, always encouraged them to then, you know, now you go and pick a spot somewhere. It could be in front of a window if you can open it, you know, it could be any place. And I think that was the other thing I really liked about nature journaling is that uh, I never felt like a kid couldn't participate there was nothing that was really standing in their way. If they didn't have a pen and paper, some of them used Google, like a Google, a Google slide deck or, or something that they could um, draw on, or I, I, I don't know all the ones. And they were like, can I do this? And I was like, sure. Yep. Um, and the other thing was, you know, some of the kids would be like, I didn't, I don't have anything to journal. I, I couldn't go outside. And I said, oh, you don't need to go outside. And they were like, what? And I was like, go to the refrigerator. And they're like, what? And I was like, you got a vegetable, you got a fruit, you got an apple, you got a tomato. And they're like, yeah. And I go, go get it. That's from nature. You got a house plant. One kid, um, uh, one kid did their bird. Another kid did their lizard. You know, like, yes, yeah. there's nothing that was stopping anybody from being able to do that. And I thought that was the most beautiful part of it that most of us had a pencil and a paper. Most of us had a pencil and a paper. And that's all I asked from them was a pencil and a paper and something that had been grown or found in nature. I didn't care if it was 10 years ago that they found that rock. It didn't matter because they weren't ever going to look at the rock today like they did when they first picked it up. And that, that part right there was the beauty of it because now you automatically create a connection with something that you spend time with and that you look at in a different way and you start to ask questions and you make connections to other things in your life and i think that's where the it reminds me of peace really comes into heart as well is that the it reminds me of i never i said you know what does it remind you of it could be a thing it could be a memory it could be a person, it could be anything that it reminds you of. And some kids would be like, this actually reminds me of a camping trip. I went on with my family. Amazing. Let's talk about that. You know, and then I would get so excited and you know, you could see the kids, you know, I I would always give everyone time, like, okay, everybody share some of the eye notices that you had. And some people were, you know, a little apprehensive. Uh, If they were in the older grades, they were like, I'm not really sure if I want to participate. But I said, Oh, the chat is open. The the chat is open. Oh, my goodness, the chat went crazy. Some of the conversations that I ended up having, once people kind of realized again that the expectation wasn't about being right or wrong, all of a sudden people's guards started to come down, and I thought that was the most beautiful part because then all of a sudden, like these big ideas. It was a grade seven or eight class, and the one kid was like, "I feel like," you know, he he had something. That was like encapsulated in something. And he was like, I feel like this is society and how we are like encapsulated. And I was just sitting at my house going, What? Deep
0: this ideas.
1: Is- and these, these kids need to talk. <laughs> they need to, they needed yeah. to talk. It was, it was awesome. We went to another grade eight class. We started talking about like big world things. And you're just like, I just sometimes sat back and I was like, I'm just gonna take this in. And the kids just let it, because why not? It opened the
0: doors for so many things. Billy Joe, with your relationship with the teacher, you mentioned something about haiku. And so, you know, obviously you're connecting to science. So we both would love to put the arts in STEM, right? Science, technology, engineering, and math. Because, I mean, I always think of Leonardo da Vinci, right? Leonardo da Vinci was the ultimate STEM art, science arts person to me. And the only way he was able to innovate was through drawing. And the kind of drawing that you're touching on is this observation or seeing things in a different way, which makes that mental shift to the right side of our brain, where it opens up our heart. It kind of decreases a little bit of that incessant ruminating and logical thing planning that we constantly have worrying, worrying, worrying. You know, when people say they try to sit down and do this, uh, like a mindfulness activity, the kind of drawing that you're talking about is in essence, a mindfulness
1: activity. Totally. Yeah. And I think telling the kids, like, it's not about a pretty picture, but then, you know, saying to them, like, if you're not a great drawer, so draw a simple sketch, but get in the pieces that you notice. Exactly. As soon as you start adding arrows and labels Mm -hmm. to things, it's not a drawing anymore. It's a diagram. Yeah. It's a diagram, right? Yes. And so if you're not a phenomenal drawer or you're feeling fearful about that, but you really love your words game on
0: yeah and so you've touched on the power of sketchnoting too in that link link to memory so if we could just go back then for one second where you're encouraging then the teacher to build on haiku which I love in fact I think in haiku and sometimes it's very annoying because my brain goes back to haiku but I I, I constantly am thinking in haiku the haiku pattern so so tell us how did you work with teachers with that that literacy piece
1: yeah so It came naturally. So again, I was on one of my nature journaling forums and they had somebody uh, come, um, uh, Beth, who works close with uh, Jack and and helps her or helps him run uh, his website, things like that. Well, she's a poet and she came and did haikus with us. And I was always like, I don't do poetry. Writing's not really my thing, you know? But again, once I did this, I was like, writing can be my thing.
0: isn't it lovely that you learned along with the students and you had that kind of movement from discomfort to ownership
1: that's amazing and the same thing with my art i hadn't i hadn't done art since high school and i was like i i don't know if i can do this and it was freeing to just be like it doesn't matter billy joe it doesn't matter it's not about a pretty picture if it turns out to be a pretty picture great and so You know, Jack would always say things in, in those different forums, like drawing is a skill. The more you do it, the better you get.
0: Like anything in practice.
1: Yes. Like I'm not, people are just naturally born being able to draw. It's because they like it and they continue to do it, that they get good at it. And so it was kind of the same thing with writing. And so I thought, I can, I can do haikus. I can, I can do this. And so I thought, I'm going to try this out with a grade five group. And next thing you know, we did, we, so we had done nature journaling, our introduction, we had done um, a few other things. And then we also did the hike where they nature journal. were on the hike. And then we took the concepts, right? And so what are we noticing about the trillium? Okay. What do we notice about the trillium? We notice it's white. We notice that there's three petals. We notice that there's yellow pollen. We notice, we notice, we notice, we notice. Okay, great. Let's write those down. So, Everybody's scribbling them down in their notebooks at home. What does it remind us of? Everybody starts writing it down. All right, let's build a haiku. And we did it together. Yes. And that I think was like huge because we took pieces from everybody who was contributing. And sometimes we had so many contributions about one thing, we ended up writing several haikus about one flower or one insect or one snail. And that's the piece that I really loved about it. And again, it, it was cross-gendered and it was, um, I also worked with, um, actually the first time I did haikus was actually with, um, like I believe it was like a comms class And so these are kids who, you know, are, are a little, a little slower, a little bit delayed in their, in their learning. And I did nature journaling with them. And I said to the teacher, like, do you want to give this a shot? And we had done a, we had done a a hike. And I said, "What, what do you think about haikus? And she was like, let's do it. Unbelievable. The most unbelievable session these kids it was like you could see their confidence growing to know that the words that they were speaking that they had this to contribute uh, this class I worked with I don't know must have been like eight times or something and every single time we grew and did more and it was just unbelievable to see the confidence in these kids and them writing and typing and however it was and sharing their screens can I share my screen I want to share my haiku absolutely let's do it and also I think the biggest thing was giving space for that for them to share
0: the sharing was huge and really online it was pretty easy to do I mean my students writing as well grew and I love the way you're talking about how you modeled and you even yes. modeled some of your own anxiety and growing pains. And then, you know, as well, that then you did shared writing, right? So you could just, just say, okay, yeah, we're gonna go silent and you guys are gonna have half an hour to write by
1: yourself. Yeah, and you know, come back fun. in half an hour. Like, no, yeah, that's no fun, right? That's no right. fun. Let's talk about it. Let's, let's spitball ideas together. Like, let's do this together as a group. And I think the other big thing is that any session that I run, it's not about me. It's not about me, right? It's about the students. So I give as much breath as I possibly can into them sharing and into them contributing as much as possible. Because if they're just sitting listening to me yammer on, then they're just in a lecture.
0: Exactly that's, not a that's so that's important not, that's, that's that's so, you know, that's not a so important for I, I, you know you it's you, I can tell you have the ability to create community very quickly to connect online and then you, you know you're so um, you're not saying that there weren't issues. But nope. you overcame a lot of those problems with flexibility and your own learning. I mean, I think that as educators, we all grew tremendously. You know, people Man. will say, okay, now do outdoor ed. Now switch and take your learning to outdoor ed. You know, or or now pivot to online. It's just not that easy,
1: right? It's you We re- re- grew
0: in the last year. you know, in Ontario and abroad collectively. Okay, so I'm going to ask you the big question. I've asked you this offline before and had a little bit of what I'm hoping is a slightly different answer, hybrid. Okay, so some of us have to go hybrid. So where we have, so hybrid for the listener means, and some of our listeners probably this fall will be in this hybrid situation where, you know, in 2020, 2021, we were as educators either face-to-face or in virtual school, or when we started out face-to-face and we pivoted to online, our group of students came with us. So hybrid means that, like, I'm a homeroom teacher, so I would be teaching in front of, not in front of my class, with my class, right, with my class, trying to still take them outside, but there are a few students who may have that opportunity for whatever reason, their families choose for them to still be Uh, in our class, but from home, online. So how can you, I don't expect you to have all the answers, Billy Joe. I mean, remember, (laughs) we're recording this in July. So dear listeners, we're recording this in July. And like you said, spit firing, like how to, how to make this work. But with all of those incredible obstacles that you overcame, can you even touch on a couple of them that you think might transfer to the hybrid model?
1: Yeah, for sure. And there was actually a few classes that we had this year that were already hybrid um, within our school board. Um, I, I had one, one, no, and a couple of, a couple of, yeah, our IGLD classes, our intermediate general learning disabilities classes, some of them were hybrid. So I had uh, maybe one or two of those. and. I had another class that was, um, I don't know what it was, but anyways, they were, is a four, five, six class, but they were like the advanced uh, students. And that was also a hybrid class. Um, and when I'm online, um, it was pretty easy for me to be able to do that because I was online for everybody, right? So you need if they were in class or whatever, but I was thinking about this a lot uh, from a, a, a teacher standpoint. And I think that I, I'm not going to, it's hard. It's it's, it's going hard. To be hard. Let's
0: call a spade a spade. Like, this is, yeah, this, like is this is this is we yeah, can't I'm not, divide yeah. ourselves in half and be both, and we care about our students. Yeah. So and ultimately I, yeah. we want to you heard the beginning of this conversation. We want to have those relationships. Yeah. And the way everybody takes takes risks and learns yeah. better is if we feel that sense of emotional safety, that sense of belonging, then we can self-regulate better when our anxiety is down. Teachers yeah. included, we're human educators Absolutely. included so okay so any ideas any ideas?
1: yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so I've been <laughs> yeah. I've been thinking about this like a lot I've been thinking about it a lot and there's a, a couple of things that I I think and I I'm sure most teachers have probably done this but the first thing if I was a, a classroom teacher that I would do is reach out to my students families online that'd be my first thing to do and reach out to them um and some of our uh staff uh had um uh they had given a a questionnaire to the teachers and the teachers could send it out in a questionnaire for the parents like do you have an outdoor space what does it look like are are you in a high-rise apartment like do you have access to windows you know all these different things and from the parents and then they could get that feedback back so so you know where your student is living right so i think that's the the biggest thing like because in Mississauga and Brampton, some people live in basement apartments, some people live in a house with a yard, some people live in a house without a yard, and some people this live is, in like the 13th floor, This is such an floor, important right?
0: point about equity. When everybody yeah. comes to school, we are all in the same space, not emotionally, 100%. but yes. physically we're all in the same space. Yes. But so in a hybrid, we, we don't understand those equity pieces until right. we know. Once that's we right. know, then we can go,
1: okay, well, this is the kind of programming I have to adapt. Yeah. we don't and wanna I just don't... make assumptions. And so that's the thing too. And I think some people are afraid to maybe ask those questions. So I think if it's like a a survey and you say, this is why I'm doing it so that I can try and make sure that everyone has everything, right? So, you know, and then I thought to myself, like as a parent, like I think I would be pretty comfortable with that. I mean, not everybody will be. So maybe it's a conversation with the parents who are, you know, uncomfortable with that. And it's really the teacher explaining the reasoning behind it is that you as the teacher are trying to make this as equitable as possible, right? Are they allowed to go outside, you know, during the day? Um, is there a caretaker are they at daycare during the day because mom and dad are working you know is grandma home with them you know what's what's the situation so that you know and then I think that gathering that information from your online um friends would be the the biggest piece to start with because then you would know where to go from there
0: absolutely
1: yeah so having the information and and really having uh that And then, you, uh, you know, the other part, and, and teachers know this, it's prep, right? So the other thing would be like, if you were going to say integrate nature journaling into it, you know, say to the teachers, okay, we're going to be integrating nature journaling to, you know, the classes here, and I'm integrating into everything that we are doing this year. And so obviously the school is, has maybe provided some small journals. I'm gonna drop those off of your house, which many teachers were doing this year because they're all rock stars and they were, you know, out of these pack incredible, kids right? everywhere. I like mean, it was ridiculous. Yeah, I
0: was on a phone interview with the ministry for Honestly, um, rural communities up in yeah. northern Ontario and indigenous communities. And that yeah. was what people said is do do the drop-offs of the materials and then go and get them, or if possible, have family. Yeah. Bring them back to the school so it is yeah. this fluidity this and you're right let's just acknowledge that educators are rock stars rock stars.
1: rock stars okay right yep. like rock stars. Okay. absolutely Those so are great ideas, so. How, yeah so then doing that right and then saying to them okay here are the things that like on the weekends like if they can not if they're a student who can't go outside during the day when i take the other students outside can they? Is there a window that they can sit in front of? If they're in a basement apartment and there's no windows, is there a screen door that they can sit in front of to be, have that outside look? If they're in an apartment building, is there a window that they can look out uh, to to be able to get you know the bird's eye perspective? So you know, in the can you go out on the weekend and can you know the child you know, gather some rocks? Can they gather a pine cone? Do you have house plants? Do you have pets? Like kind of what nature do you have in and around your space, right? And then the biggest thing I think, honest to God, and people are probably sick and tired of hearing me talk about it, it's nature journaling, it's nature journaling. You you are going to say, okay, here's, here's your math. We did our math exercise, right? And I don't know, you're in You're in grade one and you're doing ABAB A, B patterns or ABB B or whatever it is for, for grade one. And you're saying, okay, we're going to go outside and with the class that's here. To your online group, you'll say in 30 minutes, we'll be back. You're going to do the same thing at home. You're going to work your AB patterns with the nature you're either allowed to go outside you've either collected it you're going to use your house plants whatever it is then i think the biggest piece for me is the coming back together to share the experience can i
0: just add on yeah. one thing sorry yeah I, at the coming so I, I don't know if you've noticed i've been doing these equal inquiry little videos so Yeah. you could have you know pre-recorded some youtube videos where yeah. you're if the child says but i don't have anything you yeah. could, you could do a little nature walk pre-recorded so yeah. that you're, you're even with your cell phone. I, I take my videos with my totally. cell phone. It's super totally. low tech. And, you know, you could show the image of that fall leaf on the ground. Absolutely. you that wild flower. Doing... And you just hold yeah. the camera there and the student can pause the video. So you could, you know what? You're, you're totally like, it's way. July and
1: my wheels are turning. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so many different ways to do it. I just like, as you were talking, I was like, you could go out that morning before the kids even get there. You could do escape video, like a landscape video of the schoolyard where you're going to take the other kids. And maybe you're looking at the fall colors and you're doing math in terms of how much the leaves are changing over time. And they're journaling that. You post the video for the kids at home. They're now seeing the exact same
0: thing. Exactly. That
1: are there. You, you have it's, it with your
0: virtual choice board where you yes, got your little YouTube yes. lesson on your math concept. Absolutely. And then you and got your video. It. Now, this is prep, right? This yeah,
1: is it's, prep. it's prep, it's prep. But, it is prep, yeah. yeah. But then you... Um, You But if you have your choice board ready to go, and you've just done that, even if you did it, you just put the YouTube link
0: in. It's not that hard.
1: You just drop the link in right from that morning or whatever. But then it's the coming back. And I think this is the big thing is the coming back and letting the kids who are online share their experience about what they see, seen or saw. And this was one thing with, um, with the journaling. And I said to the kids, you know, don't feel bad. It's not, it's not a bad thing if you live in a basement apartment or you live on the 30th floor of the, of the apartment building because it's your perspective, it's your perspective. So when you are looking outside, what does it look like from ground level if you're in a basement apartment? What do the feet look like? What does the leaf look like on the ground? What is your perspective? What is the perspective of the person, you know, who can look straight out the window at eye level? What is the perspective of the person in the apartment building? What does it look like? That's valuing everybody's individual identity identity in that. Perspective is Mm -hmm. huge, right? Perspective Mm -hmm. is huge. And everybody's perspective, no matter what it is, is valid right that's and amazing that's billy
0: joe the yeah
1: piece right is to never and we leave- don't we don't
0: give enough time often to that consolidation piece so that advice of slow down take it yeah. slow remember this is about the relationship building and
1: yeah. the mental
0: health piece coming coming back from two very very hard years and yeah you know, you've, you've changed my perspective. I have goosebumps. You've changed my perspective. Again, we're recording this in July and I have a grade two homeroom and I'm, I'm embracing, I'm going to embrace so many things that you've, you've just said. And you know what, we've, we've talked for an hour. Yeah, so I am wondering like Before it. <laughs> I know. doesn't I know 10 minutes, 15 years, 10 minutes, right? <laughs> um, so I'm I'm wondering so you you talked about that website for nature journaling. Yeah. Do you have any more books or resources that you really yeah. love so, just a couple I, that Yeah, you, 100%. Yeah.
1: So uh obviously for nature journaling, Jack's website, which is just johnmuirlaws.com on his website, um, he also, uh, him and a woman named Emily Leagrin, um, they co-wrote the book, uh, called, um, how to teach nature journaling. Um, and you can purchase it, uh, off Amazon, uh, but you can download it for free off their website. I've seen
0: that. That is so generous of them. That's amazing. Yeah.
1: Like it's unbelievable. They, that, excuse me also have another website called um how to teach nature journaling and on there they've broken down each one uh almost all of the lessons into full pdfs so and it's broken down wow. and it's just like from a teacher perspective it's literally like it's amazing right like it's okay i'm going to put
0: amazing. those links in the in the chat when in the description yeah, of, of the chat for the and, or in the description you, of the podcast
1: yeah. And when once you, if you're interested in like stepping into that world in which I, I really highly recommend that if for any teacher, this is an integration tool that you will fall in love with. I seen other teachers that I worked, work, worked with integrated into their everyday uh, classrooms and kids, when they came back to me, we're automatically using, well, Miss Reed, this is what I noticed. This is what I'm wondering. Hey, this is what this reminds me of. And you're like, yes.
0: And if that's from kindergarten all the way up to intermediate, that's incredible.
1: Intermediate, grade 12. Oh, you're working with high school students too. I worked with ELS. ELS. I worked with ELS. It was unbelievable. What does that what does
0: that mean ELS?
1: In, oh sorry English language students. So uh, right. language as a uh, English as a second language nature yep. journaling English as a second language unbelievable. It is for everyone and it's all age levels and kindergarten who cares if they can't write, right? They yeah. can use the experimental beginning. print. They can do the uh, beginning. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. so Beth Ann Burton has also an amazing website and she actually has an entire blog post. She also has a podcast just on nature journaling, which is like if you want to nerd out even more with nature <laughs> journaling, there's a whole podcast, right? Love it. She- Yeah, she, uh, she founded International Nature Journaling Week, which is the first week in June. And um, she has a great blog, which is teaching nature journaling for all ages.
0: I follow her on Twitter as
1: well. Where is she from? She's in Brisbane, Australia. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, And so this blog post that she has is great for kindergarten because it is exactly that take a leaf, put paint on it, slap it in the book. What are you noticing? What does it feel like? Sensory. I mean, that is an entire unit in science is sensory. So why are we not documenting that? Right? Like, it's just, it's amazing. So, you know, those are for me this year, that was really my go-to. And then Trying to add in, you know, those those sort of mindful pieces. And I just think it all worked together so well. Um, that it was well, just thank was a, you
0: so much. My own perspective is very enriching. <laughs> you personally have given me so many ideas as an educator, and I know our listeners will benefit so so much as well. So thank you. And I hope you'll come back so that when um, you know, you
1: yeah, have, I would like to come back. a little
0: bit into this year and kind of seen what it's looking like, then we can have a, we can talk again.
1: Yeah, I would love that. I would absolutely love that because, again, like like you said, you know, a couple of times, it's July. We're still trying to figure out what September is going to look like. Um, the only things I know is that I have a family of schools, so I've got you know thirty some odd schools. Many of them I worked with last year, and I'm excited to continue those relationships with those schools. So that's those wishes. Are the that I right to now. have
0: you. That is awesome, <laughs> Billy Joe. Thank you so much, and listeners, thank you for listening to this episode of the Eco Inquiry Podcast. Thank you.